With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up? This is the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm, um, and this podcast is presented by Drift Car Sharing. Okay, uh, I'm super excited about today's show. Um, had a little bit of a break over Christmas, but we're back, ready to get into the swing of things, and I am so excited. There's so much going on. I have so much I feel like I have to tell you guys. I was in Montana, and I could get in a whole bunch of stories from there, but I don't think we're going to have time today. Um, again, super excited to be back. Super excited to be talking Buffs. Huge week for Buffs basketball. They have Oregon at home on Thursday. That's going to be that's going to be incredible. I mean, there's a good chance that that's the game that decides the at least like the one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, a real real measuring stick game for Colorado. Um, if they can win that, then all of a sudden. You're starting to think, who can't this team beat? And that's a really exciting place to be. Um, answer, maybe still Kansas, but I'm starting to feel better about this team than I did at that point. I don't know that anything's off the table, um, assuming you get the job done here. Um, so that's coming up. Buff's women's basketball team is not only undefeated overall, but undefeated in conference as well. Uh, had a win over Utah. Again, Utah not a powerhouse in the Pac-12, but you know what? Colorado handled them pretty well. I mean, didn't blow them out by any means. Awesome stuff there. Um, we've talked a lot about how that's a team that I'm not really ready to totally buy into just because they're they're undefeated, but they haven't played the Pac-12, which is full of the best teams in the entire country. There's one win. You know that they're at least... I mean, it's it's not that they they aren't frauds. We know they aren't frauds, um, and they have some big games this weekend as well. Uh, Friday they play Sabrina Ionescu's Oregon. I'm not sure if you guys follow women's basketball. This is a weird thing that happened. So I think I've mentioned on here before that my roommate was a kicker in college, uh, D1 kicker, FCS, but still D1. Um, super into sports. He's worked for like the Hornets. He's worked for the Packers. He's worked all these different places. He negotiates a whole bunch of deals. Um, like on the marketing sides of things. Um, so like sports guy, B 
big sports guy. He didn't know who Sabrina Ionescu was, which blew my mind. And I'm not really sure if that's me being out of touch with reality. Maybe I'm like too plugged in to women's sports, which is not something that I would typically be accused of if we're being frank, but I don't know. So the point is, if you guys don't know who Sabrina Ionescu is, she's the best college basketball player, women's college basketball player to ever play the game. Um, I've actually heard some stories. If you guys want Sabrina Ionescu stories, hit me up at one of these like watch parties or something because I have a great one that I can't make public. It involves a certain um, other star at Oregon. Okay, uh, we don't need to get into the gossip. The point is, she's incredible. She's so much fun to watch. They're playing in Oregon, so we don't get a chance to watch. I think that Oregon comes to Colorado like the first or second week of February, and so that's going to be a huge game. But obviously, Oregon, in the national title game last year, should be right back in that conversation this year. Um, that's going to be a huge test for this women's basketball team. And then they have Oregon State. Um who I think is, I think Oregon might be ranked second and Oregon State is third in the country right now. That's a tough weekend. Those are tough road games. Games that honestly Colorado shouldn't win, but hey, they're undefeated. They haven't lost yet. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's all I'm going to say. So that's going on. Um, I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about those college football playoff games as much as I really want to. We'll dig into those on the draft podcast because there are a bunch of draft prospects there and that's kind of the angle we take and that's where I get to get all of my national college football takes out. There are a lot of those too, but we just don't have time here. Um, in terms of this podcast, uh, the plan for the week is... Uh, so today's Monday. It's Monday night. I'm recording this, doing some laundry, uh, listening to some Harry Styles. That's a weird new development. Didn't know that I was a Harry Styles guy, but I actually really am. Um, weirdly enough, you know, he's he's one of the guys from One Direction, the one with all the hair from from One Direction. He's honestly the only one I could name, and it's because I remember his name is Harry Styles. Like, how do you forget that name when he has, like, that mane? Point is, turns out he doesn't just make boy band music anymore. Um, you'll remember, uh, the girl I took to breakfast when I was back in Montana the time before, my friend up there, she said, you have to listen to this. And I was like, no, um, actually very good. And I started like listening to music while I do these podcasts, like put, put in one earbud and so that I can like have that going on. It keeps the energy high. Um, point is yeah listening to some harry styles and that's a weird thing um he was tripping hard when he made this album give it a shot give it a shot like i feel like when i listen to it like you can hear a whole bunch of different things and it's a little bit like i don't know anxiety inducing the way he just jumps around like you can just tell though like he was just listening to the beatles or he was just listening to like stevie wonder and it's all this weird stuff put together i don't know um point is it's kind of late on monday and uh Today, we're going to be talking about those cool things. I also have a fun little game I want to play uh, to close out the new year, talk about what I want to see next year um, out of CU football. There's a lot of fun things I want to see. Um, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into all this basketball stuff. Um, 
tonight, tomorrow, we're going super heavy basketball. Going to have Ben Girding on. Uh, BS, or, oh, whoa, the first time I've done that in a while. DNVR Buffs intern. You guys have been reading all the stuff. He does the takeaways from games. He's doing some other stuff helping around DNVR. Um, he's going to be around a lot going forward on this podcast, which I am very excited about. Um, you heard him. He was on right before the season. We kind of went through a whole preview. But tomorrow we're going to be giving out our awards for non-conference play, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, then, of course, Wednesday will be the last show we tape before the Oregon game. Going to have to dig into that. Um, yeah. Uh, Thursday, draft pod. Friday, breaking down the Oregon game. Hoping to have Ben back on to do that. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at. Lots of fun stuff coming. Hope you guys are excited. I'm excited. These intros are getting way too long. Um, but I would love to tell you a little bit more about drift car sharing. So if you're not like me and you're a responsible, well-adjusted adult, or even like not an adult, but still just like a tiny bit responsible, when you go to the airport, when you fly home for Christmas or whatever you're doing, you get to actually make money by parking your car at the Drift car sharing lot instead of parking at the airport lot. So you park for free, they rent your car out, you get a cut of the profit, they insure it, everything's like super safe. Even if nobody rents your car, you still get to park for free, they still clean it. You don't have to pay like 30 bucks a day for parking. Again, I am not quite that put together and I didn't do that. And I ended up paying, I mean, like I went the cheap way, but I still end up paying like, 40 bucks for all of last week and it's just stupid because i should be making like 20 bucks a day while i'm gone with drift car sharing uh if you guys are interested then go to drivedrift.com and they'll get you all sorted out with all the information you need and uh again great service service of the future um as i like to say okay um i did forget one important note that i wanted to pass along and that is that Mikhail Onu started jogging today. Um, he broke his leg in the lead-up to the Utah game and practice. Non-contact injury. Um, it's horrible. It's horrible. And I think I, I told you guys I had a chance to like talk with him a little bit on the sideline before that Utah game. I never asked him why he traveled with the team. Um, really excited to do that, though. I, again, I got to talk with him briefly today. Um you know, heard that he's back jogging. He's expecting to be full strength in about two months. Again, he's a guy who I very much expect to get a training camp invite. It's going to be tough to get drafted, but he has the production that I do think that he could get a look there. At the very least, I do expect him to be in an NFL training camp. This setback makes it tough. Um, again, though, my non-medical understanding of broken legs is that they're very serious and not something that you just come back from in like three months so i'm going to take this as progress um like i said i'm going to be talking more in depth with him in the next couple days um and i'll report back to you guys because that is my job um definitely good to hear that though and i wanted to pass what i know along to you um okay so i know for me throughout the year like my my like ideas of the buffs just change like if somebody says buffs to me like it's typically like football it's like oh yeah usc you know there's always something going on and right now when you hear buffs you're thinking oh boy oregon number five i believe in the country coming to town on thursday opening conference play huge game so exciting 
I really want to talk about it. I want to dig into this Oregon team, and we're going to do that. But before we do, we have to talk about the Iona... Iona... Okay, I'm blanking on what Iona's mascot is. Um, I don't think that that is too egregious of a mistake, though. Um, If you guys weren't paying attention, you were busy with the holidays, with like all the bowl games, whatever you were doing... And didn't get a chance to see uh, Oregon or Colorado play Iona in basketball at the Keg. This cool name that I am consistently remembering now. Um, on Sunday, here's what you missed: uh, Colorado won 99 to 54. It was incredible. We saw the team play the way we expected them to play. Honestly, maybe for the first time this season. Uh, and, and it was pretty cool to see things just come together the way that things were supposed to come together. Jumped on them early, held the lead, built on the lead. Again, they were, I think, like 19, 19 and a half point favorites going into this game. I didn't see where that line closed. But they took care of business. Like, it was a game they should have won, and they won it, and they won it decidedly. I mean, again, even if that's a 20-point spread, they then beat the scre- spread by 25 that's an accomplishment. Um, the shooting was great. The passing was great. Uh, the defense was... I, I think the defense is what was probably the most underrated part of this game. Um, people forget that Iona... You know, they were a tournament team last year. And it's, again, conference champions, small conference. It's not like they were an elite team in the tournament, but they were there. They were there. And part of the reason why the Gales, there they are, the Gales, that's what it is. Uh, Same as St. Mary's. Um, But the point is they were there and they have this tradition of having a great offense. You know, they're right up there with the highest scoring teams in the country every single year, you know, like top 10. Occasionally they're averaging over 80 points a game. Typically crazy stuff. Colorado, as they probably should have, held them to 54 points. Um, I want to make that point clear because as tough as it is to really take too much out of this game because the talent disparity was so obvious, it is important to remember that this is a good offense and it's an offense that can put up some points. And so even though it might not be as impressive as holding Oregon to 54, it is noteworthy that Colorado was able to put together the defensive performance that it did and I don't want to take credit away from that. Um, that said, getting into Colorado, I think I think the first thing you really notice when when you go back through and think about this game is just how involved everybody was. Uh, this this wasn't a game where you say, okay, w- we are so much more talented than St. Mary or not St. Mary's, the Gales of Iona um, that. We can just let McKinley Wright take over. Let's just let McKinley go get 40. We'll all just stand in the corners. Let him go play iso ball, whatever. There you go. There's a win. Because McKinley could do that. Tyler Bay could do that. Honestly, I think Deshaun Schwartz, even Evan Batty. I think that there are a lot of guys on this team who could have just said, you know what, this is my game where I'm just going to put up a bunch of points. I'm going to pad the stats. I'm more talented than the guy across from me. And we're going to win the game because I'm just going to take over and let everybody get a rest. That's not what this Buffs offense did. And I really do think that that's a tribute to where this team is. 
maybe mostly in their understanding of who they are at this point. You know, if, if, if you're feeling better about how this offense is playing, then maybe you do that. Maybe you just say, hey, Tyler, just get after it. Just go get buckets. Get yourself some points. You deserve it. Get yourself back in the player of the year conversation. But there, my read on it was that there was some self-awareness, that this team understood that they need to get this offense going. This is an opportunity to move the ball. And Tad Boyle praised the ball movement afterward. This is what he's been wanting to see. Obviously, 15 turnovers is still too high. But when you're putting up 26 assists, that feels quite a bit better. Um, 99 points makes 15 assists or 15 turnovers more like nine turnovers more than any coach wants. But if you're putting up nine a game, you're going to win a lot of Pac-12 basketball games. Uh, I do think that that is the key takeaway is that this offense used this as a chance to improve and get better going into this game against Oregon. And I think that that's important. I think it makes me a lot more confident in this game against the Ducks than I had been in the past. Um, Obviously, that Dayton game was the turning point for me where now I'm saying, hey, you know what? I don't care if Colorado is going to be going into this game as, I don't know, five? Five-point underdogs? Maybe not even that much. I don't know that it'd be that much. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where this line gets set. You know, Colorado being at home... Oregon actually number four, it turns out. It might actually be fewer points than that. Uh, Again, I don't want to look ahead to that too much, but you know what? Evan Batty put up 12 points. McKinley Wright put up 13 points. Deshaun Schwartz was the team's leading scorer, the game's leading scorer, put up 14 points. Tyler Bay had 11. Lucas Seward had 12. Uh, Maddox Daniels, we'll, we'll have to dig into him a little bit, had 10 uh, Dalen Kuntz also had 10. That's what? Five, six, that's seven guys in double figures. Beautiful. Spread the ball around. Uh, McKinley Wright was really the key to this whole offense, you know, being able to spread the ball around. Uh, coming off that game against Dayton, and I think Ben did a great job in his takeaways piece explaining that, saying, you know what? He, he showed that he could put his head down, get to the bucket, put up 29 points, lead his team to a win in a tough game. And he also showed against Iona that he can just be a distributor, that he can get the ball where it needs to go. Again, initiating the offense by being aggressive, but dishing the ball off to his open teammates, finding the best matchups. And he put up 10 assists. He had a double-double. Impressive stuff. At the same time, he was 5 of 7 shooting. 3 of 4 from 3, which is probably the most noteworthy part. If, if, If he can keep that going, then he's going to be something special uh, in conference play. I I really think that that's on the table, too. I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, McKinley Wright, again, was kind of the key to this. It was great to get to see a bunch of guys come in and uh, play basketball um, because there were a lot of guys who didn't get that opportunity in the past. Uh, I, I think it was 21... No, uh, 16. It was 16 guys who had a chance to play in this game. A lot of them only getting a couple minutes at the end. But still, great to get those guys off the bench. Um, Let's dig into Maddox Daniels, and then we'll move along. Um, Maddox is in an interesting place. Um, And I have some things I want to say about him tomorrow 
uh, when Ben's here because I want to hear some of Ben's takes on this stuff too. Um, really, again, really not only like appreciate the work he's doing, but I've enjoyed reading his stuff. Hopefully you guys have too. Uh, really excited to hear what he has to say. Um, but again, with Maddox, he's... He, he before the season, people inside the program were telling me that he's the best three point shooter on the team. And again, he's JUCO transfer. He's one of the, I mean, kind of the lone addition to last year's team when they brought back their nine top guys. Um, again, Dallas Walton also kind of an addition because he missed last year because of injury, but still, only real addition. And I wouldn't be surprised if. Part of the reason he hasn't played as well as I anticipated, and I think a lot of Buffs fans anticipated, is just because he needs to f- take his time and fit in. You know, it, it's not all just going to come overnight. And there's defensive problems. There's some, like, offensive flow problems. And, again, like, just missing open threes, that's something he can't do. And that's something that's been happening. And that's something that really shouldn't be affected by being new to the system. You hope that this performance, when he went three of four from three, is going to be a launching point for him. You know, against Dayton, uh, I don't even know that he got in against Dayton. He'd kind of fallen out of that rotation. And I don't necessarily think that he needs to be a part of this rotation for Colorado to be a strong basketball team. Um, But it sure would be nice because there are going to be times when uh, Deshaun Schwartz, whose game I am just falling in love with, um, probably I, I think as much as I love watching Evan Batty play, Tyler Bay play, McKinley Wright, like these are guys who not only are very good at basketball, they're a lot of fun to watch. I think I like watching Deshaun Schwartz more than any of them. Like I don't know what it is. I love his game. He's knocking down threes efficiently. He fits his role perfectly, but. He's going to have off nights. Shane Gatling's going to have off nights. And, you know, uh, Dalen Koontz, who I still think is probably ahead of Maddox Daniels in the rotation, even though he got cut out mostly against uh, Dayton. Eli Parquet. You know, there's a bunch of these guys who kind of fit in there somewhere. These guys who can be your two, your three, and hopefully provide some sort of shooting but when you have, you know, Shane Gatling and Deshaun Schwartz having an off night and you you think that you can throw Maddox Daniels out there and just say, hey, see if he can get hot. That is so valuable um, at, at points during the season. Not consistently, but eventually you're going to have a game against, you know, Cal or Utah. You know, a, a team that really isn't, a Pac-12 team that Colorado should be losing to, but because you're not able to knock down shots, it's a game. You can have somebody like Maddox Daniels who you can say, you know what, he's worth putting in because he might be able to turn things around for us. And so far, Maddox hasn't shown us that he can be that guy. This three of four performance from three makes you think that maybe he's starting to get it figured out. Um, And that would be huge. Because I think that that should be the strength of this Colorado team. You know, the depth was finally really on display 
against Iona after not really seeing it the way we were supposed to through most of the season. It's not about being able to rotate 11 guys, 12 guys in every night. It's about being able to say, like they did against Dayton, Eli Parquet, he doesn't have it. His mitts are going to X. And whoever that player is, you just want to have options. Whether it's Maddox Daniels, whether it's just putting more of the load on Deshaun Schwartz, maybe that's what you're stuck doing, giving him the ball more, giving Shane Gatling a couple more minutes. Um, Maybe Dalen Koontz can take over. Maybe... You know, just having more of these guys that they can rotate in, I really think that Maddox Daniels should be turning a corner here. And part of that is because it just feels like in college basketball, there's always so many guys who either start the season super hot and then cool off halfway through or start cold and finish hot. You know, and it happens in the NBA too. I mean, the Nuggets last year with Trey Lyles, or maybe that was the year before, when... You get to Christmas, and then all of a sudden things kind of change. Uh, and this really is that turning point where I I could see some guys starting to get things get things rolling for whatever reason. Um, okay, I want to tell you now about uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, love love Breck brews. You guys know how much I love Breck brews. Going to be drinking a lot of them tomorrow on New Year's Eve. Um, usually I try to like dance around that dance around saying like, I'm going to be getting after it. Not tomorrow, New Year's Eve, head to the Avs game. Um, definitely going to be drinking a lot of Breck brews. Um, might even have to go down to like, they have that, I can't, uh, the, the mountain house. I think they call it the mountain house. And if I'm wrong, that that's going to be like a super dumb thing to have said because it doesn't sound like a thing honestly but yeah it's it's like down below pepsi center uh usually we go hang out there after the games uh drink beers it's not like uh uh, it doesn't feel like you're in an arena like all the walls are just like log and there's like a bar and there's like nice tables and waiters and waitresses it's just like a super cool spot to drink some beers especially if you're like waiting for all the uber to die down like it's super congested or if you order an uber and it says like 15 minutes before it gets there and you're like i know that pepsi center actually means 25 um you know it's it's just a cool place to hang out i'm definitely gonna be spending some time there um also would like to tell you about denver rubber company um you guys know how much we enjoy supporting local businesses like breckenridge brewery um and, but also, like Denver Rubber Company, you can tell by the name that they're local. Uh, they're your most reliable local partner for all of your long-term projects. Um, and they've been here since 1972. Uh, you don't stick around for 40 years unless you're doing things right. And especially when you're really focused on local business, the people who, who go out there and buy rubber, especially like these mass orders, you know, there there aren't too many of them and so you really do have to keep them happy and that's what denver rubber company is the best at Uh, they have everything you can need from custom die cut gaskets uh, molded rubber uh, custom contract manufacturing custom hoses all sorts of different stuff Um, and when it's snowy out like i guess it is like half the time here in the winter it's this weird thing where you just never really know i guess you could look at the forecast or something but i just never know whether it's going to be hot 
or cold. And like yesterday, I went over to the Bronco game, saw Drew Locke play for the first time ever. Uh, saw Phil, love watching Phil play. Wanted to see Juwan Winfrey. We still have not seen Juwan Winfrey like at all. Not really sure why. Also, not sure if you saw this, but uh, Phil after the game, um, or no, it was actually this morning. It was this morning at the exit press conferences. Um, Phil was wearing a DNVR shirt, and it's actually one of the ones I don't have, and so I think I'm going to have to go get one and give Brandon my money. Um, but it's like the DNVR one with like the flag over the top of it, and he wore it just like a tiny bit too tight probably and it looked really good on him and I don't mean that in like a weird way but you forget just how cut Phil is like you know he's like a little guy but my goodness does he just I mean he must be spending all day in the gym um I thought it was interesting again this is like a way throwback to fall camp but when KD said that the difference between how he was training for this season and last season and the, the reason he thinks he passed the conditioning test for the first time as a buff uh, was that he realized that Phil was totally right in the way that he trained. You know, Phil wasn't spending all day in the weight room, all day like running, doing all that kind of stuff. He was just rehabbing really hard. You know, he'd still like work out a lot, obviously, but more than anything, it was about just like hanging out in the rehab room, having the trainers stretch him out, having the trainers, you know, like massage him, get all that stuff going, keeping your body in shape that way instead of just forcing it to keep building and building and building. And Kate even said like it, it, it used to be that he would make fun of Phil. Like he'd see him in there and be like, dude, why are you spending just seven hours a day getting massages, getting your back rolled out? And Phil's like, yeah, one day you're going to see. And then Katie said that it just clicked for him. Um, and again, see, like, this is another, this is the type of stuff that he learns. And now guess what? He's going to be in that training room all day doing the same thing. And Dimitri Stanley and Brendan Rice can be like, Katie, why aren't you out here doing, you know, catching balls out of the jugs machine? Why aren't you lifting more? All this kind of stuff. And Katie's going to say, yeah, guess what? Turns out this is what's most important is instead of trying to like change what, 100% capacity for your body is instead of changing like your peak athletic output. It's about making sure that you're doing the best with what you have. And that's what that rehab is. And that's how he explained it to me way back then. And again, when we talk about KD coming back, those types of little things that he learned as a veteran, as a, a true veteran college football player, a guy who's been contributing for a while now, a guy who's, I mean, very, very good at what he does. It's it's just so important to have that, especially because now what? I, th I think he's the third senior that's going to be playing offense for Colorado this year. That's not many. You need that sort of leadership. Um, big ego for sure. I'm not trying to pretend that he doesn't have a massive ego. And, and that could cause problems, you know? If the team's losing, if he's not getting the ball, I could see a flare-up. I, I don't think I would expect one. I'll definitely say that. I don't think that he would become toxic. But because he does have such a big personality, like there is the potential uh, for, for something like that to happen. Again, that's what wide receivers are. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, a Bronco, definitely has that like attitude where he says, I'm the best and I need to prove I'm the best. Remember, KD has a lot on the line. 
he's looking at the NFL. He's going to need a lot of production next year, which I think is definitely on the table. I I anticipate it, but he it isn't a position where he can say, "Hey, look what I did." It's not like he's a pass rusher. You can say, "You know what? The defense wasn't great, but I still put up these sack numbers." And sure, I would have loved like wins and all that stuff instead, but at least I have something to point at. For him as a receiver, he's reliant on this entire offense. He's reliant on likely a freshman quarterback, uh, an offensive line that's going to be experiencing some turnover, I mean, potentially losing two guys who are NFL training camp invitees, um, if, if I were to make my predictions right now. They have to be replaced. I'm not too worried about the offensive line, but you could see how it could be a problem. Um, KD also relies on the play calling. You know, there's all this kind of stuff, and that's kind of where this wide receiver diva attitude can come from, and that's where that toxicity in particular can really come from, is that it's the only position on the field where you are just totally reliant. I mean, running back is kind of that way. If you don't have a good offensive line, it's tough to look good, but at the same time, you still get the ball in your hands. You still get a chance to make a play. You don't even get that opportunity if you're a receiver in an offense that isn't supporting you um all that said i mean that's like the rationale behind why things could go wrong with kd i really don't think that's going to happen uh i really really don't think that's going to happen um fun little story though about the training room and hopefully he does pass all that along and it makes sense you know especially in season to be saying it's not about building my body it's not about trying to make myself at 100% even better than myself at 100% was the day before. It's about making sure I stay at 100%. And that's a problem that you see so many players have. Um, Again, off-seasons for building, in-seasons for maintaining. Just those little lessons that it makes sense when you hear it. You know, when I hear it, I say, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's what I'd do if I were in that situation. But you don't really know unless you're in that situation and now all these young guys are in that situation and you know that they're going to see somebody who gets it. That's why you need KD. Um, So we're in the middle of a Denver rubber company read. Um, Do want to say, though, again, Phil Lindsay rocking that DNVR shirt. Pretty cool. One of my favorite shirts. Uh, He looked very good in it. Much better than I do. And I really need that particular one. Hopefully you guys are getting your hands on those too. Um, we can get back to Denver Rubber Company. Where did that even come from? Um, it's snowy. It's kind of cold. Oh, yeah. I said something weird about how it's like half snowy here in the winter. Like sometimes there's snow, but a lot of the time there isn't. Um, I get cold. Went to see the Bronco game. That's what it was. Um, was dressed super weird for that game. Brock Osweiler jersey. Um, okay. Back to Denver Rubber Company. Um, if you need snow plows, that's your spot. That's definitely your spot. Uh, they can cut to size. They pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. Um, we actually had a couple of our guys go out there and check out their warehouse and they said that it was incredible. Um, they've, the, the guys at Denver rubber company have made a whole bunch of different proprietary materials. Uh, it's like when you say rubber, you, there's actually like a, a ton of different sorts of rubber and they're all just like a tiny bit different. And so like they saw the rubber that makes like the, the blades for wind turbines and they saw like the machines that they use to cut 
the rubber that goes inside bulletproof vests. Um, it's super interesting. Um, they they custom make all of it at Denver Rubber Company. Uh, you can purchase products for yourself. Uh, if you are in a position where you need like a whole bunch of rubber and you want to buy bulk, they'll give you a fantastic rate. Um, again, family-owned business. They're loyal to their people, uh, just like all of us at DNVR. Want to say that? Uh, you should call them today if you have any snowplow needs. If you need bigger orders, smaller orders for custom gaskets, hoses, etc., all that kind of stuff. One eight hundred two five nine zero zero one zero, or you can visit them at drcfirst.com/dnvr, and then they'll know that we sent you, uh, which is good for us. Um, okay. What are we at here? We're at 35 minutes, so we're going to have to cut something a little bit short. Let's just get into this, though, because we don't have time to think. Um, Women's basketball. Let's start here. Um, A lot of these players who I did not expect much from are really stepping up. And that's what's making this season very exciting to me. Obviously, they're winning a bunch of basketball games. Uh, they're 12-0, and 11-0 um, non-conference, 1-0 in-conference, beat Utah by 10. Utah, not a top-tier Pac-12 school by any means. But again, like they have the, they were 7-4 and coming into the game um, through non-conference play. Like It's not like that's a bad basketball team. That's a good win. Any conference win in the Pac-12 is a good win. And the Buffs notched another. Um, this time, it was because of Jalen Sherrod, who is a point guard. She's a true freshman, and she's kind of taking over. Uh, not somebody who was on my radar going into the season, and that's probably more on me than anything else. Um, but put up 19 points. Um, she was 6-13 from the field. Uh, hit one of her two three-point attempts. The best part is that she was just doing everything like she can get to the rim she can shoot she has a mid-range jumper her final stat line 19 10 and 7 that's pretty sick she was everywhere she was dealing dimes she was rebounding a lot of fun and only two turnovers again this is a freshman point guard who's doing all this um I've talked about Aubrey Knight. Uh, we don't need to dig into her again. We'll talk about her more as the season progresses, but we just don't have much time right now. But you also have the, the Australian, Emma Clark. Uh, as a sophomore, she's taking huge steps forwards. Again, six foot one guard. Like All of a sudden, it really seems like Colorado has the pieces to start actually building something. And... Uh, Again, it's it's the youth of this team that is most exciting. Um, that you can project them to keep improving going forward. Like you would be surprised if they don't improve going forward, and they're already playing very well. They don't have, you know, like the five star recruits that your Stanford has or Oregon has, like that kind of stuff. Like they aren't there yet, but similar to the football program, they're pretty good and they're pretty young. Um, I really hope you guys are paying attention. I've had a blast following along. Um, again, I I truly believe the sky's kind of the limit. It's going to be tough this year because they are still young and they're going up against very experienced, very talented basketball teams. 
but there's no reason to think that next year, two years from now, that they can't be, you know, talking about a Pac-12 title, which which is very difficult to win. Like I've said, this is the best uh, women's basketball conference in the country. It honestly isn't even close. They pretty much just always have three teams in the top five. It's tough to win, and I don't think that Colorado will be up in that tier, but at the very least, you're going to be going into the tournament saying, hey, they could pull an upset here. They could do something here, and that's a good position to be in. I still think that it's probably a year or two away, but until this team loses, now that we're seeing them play conference opponents, it's like I'm not going to be the one who says that they that, that they should be counted out. Um, again, big weekend coming up. Play Oregon, play Oregon State. If they win either one of those two games, the narrative around this team is just going to flip on its head. All of a sudden, we're going to be talking about how this young core could be taking them to a Pac-12 title, and people will be talking about that legitimately um, in the next couple of years. Um, honestly, they should not be close. Uh, there are only probably five or ten teams in the entire country that should be actually competitive with Oregon and Oregon State, especially on the road. Um, but again, if Colorado goes in there, keeps it the, the game to single digits, that's massive going forward. Um, definitely want to just touch on them quickly before we move on um, to my New Year's resolutions for the Buffs. Um, but before we do that, I want to let Ryan tell you about Blake Street Tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, I'm back. And I plan to give this segment more time than we have, but we're just going to fly through what we can fly through. Um, like I said, New Year's resolutions, uh, things that I want to see happen, goals for the buffs, not even goals, but kind of just decisions they can make. Um, and I don't even know if we can call them resolutions because they aren't some of them things that Colorado can actually control themselves. Okay, number one, you start the freshman, Brendan Lewis at quarterback. That's what we all want to see. I've been digging deep into a bunch of his film. Uh, that's how I spent a lot of time uh, recently, more time than I expected it's actually really hard to evaluate high school film. It's something that I had never really done before. Um, you know, typically it's like watching college players, see how they project to the draft or, or even like I spend a lot of time watching pro players and comparing them to other pro play players, comparing college or high school players is very difficult. Um, but I spent a lot of time looking at who Brendan Lewis really is and 
because I don't have a massive like baseline of comparisons for uh, dual threat high school quarterbacks, I decided to also dig into some other kind of big name guys and their tape. Um, like, you know, I looked at Lamar Jackson just because you want to see what does a, an NFL MVP look like in high school. Um, but also more than anything, I spent a lot of time looking at Jaden Daniels and cutting up some of his tape and it was interesting. Again, Jaden Daniels, the, the quarterback freshman who started for Arizona state this year, the truth is he's just on another level. Like he's not the same caliber of recruit that Brendan Lewis is. And when you look at the film, it seems like that's the, that's fair. You know, he was like a 0.98 something recruit, a four star second rate dual threat in the country. Top 35, I think overall prospect in the 2019 class. Brendan Lewis is like the 17th ranked dual threat. Um, Still very good. Still high ceiling. Stars aren't everything. There's room for anybody to improve. Um, But he was like a 0.88. According to this is the 247 sports uh, composite ranking. And I thought that was really interesting to see going into it. But then when you're watching the film, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, going through the stats... Jaden Daniels had multiple 60 touchdown passing seasons and he also ran for like 14, 15 touchdowns both those years. Uh, It's incredible seeing what he does and his deep ball, his touch, just beautiful. Um, Brendan Lewis, on the other hand, you know, again, very good quarterback, was the best player on the field. Uh, He had, you know, not the same touchdown numbers. He had like, I think he he might have had a 40 touchdown passing season I think he peaked at like 16 rushing touchdowns um it's it, he's still very good but you can see the difference you can see the accuracy you can see that Jaden's kind of putting the ball right where it needs to be and Brendan Lewis is really close to putting it right where it needs to be um there's a tiny little gap there but I think what was most interesting was watching how Jaden Daniels translated to the college game and then trying to figure out how Brendan fits as well and so with Jaden you, you you see the same strengths you see just this pure foot speed but he didn't run all that much this year you know only three rushing touchdowns ran for I want to say like 350 yards um you have to do some math to figure that one out because sacks are taken away from quarterback yards uh, which is stupid from quarterback rushing yards um, it shouldn't be that way but I uh, changed it out and and he really did rely on his arm more and I don't think that Brendan Lewis will shift away from the running game nearly as much and I think it's because of the style of running. Jaden Daniels was a speed guy. Uh, he wants to cut. He's very upright as a runner. Um, it's that stop and go type stuff, that joystick type stuff. He's on his heels. Uh, he... he can get up to full speed quickly so he can stop, make guys fly by, do all that jukey kind of stuff. Creates a whole bunch of separation. Brendan, on the other hand, is a bigger guy. They're both six foot three. Jaden is what? I think he's listed going into the 2020 season as 175 pounds. Brendan Lewis is listed by Colorado at 210. And there's plenty of room to add more bulk to that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's 215 by the time the season starts. Uh, that's that's a 40 pound difference that's a lot 
Um, and you and you see it play out. He doesn't quite generate the same separation on his jukes, and I think that that makes the film a little bit less flashy. Um, you you don't see him just like making guys fall down on a regular basis, like breaking ankles, all that kind of stuff. But you do see him breaking a whole bunch of arm tackles. Nobody's bringing him down unless they get him head on. Um, and and he's still like, I mean, he's juking guys out, the same kind of stuff. It's just not the same type of separation. That's still part of his game, but he's more of a downhill, uh, lower runner, low center ga- gravity. You're going to have to tackle him to make him go down. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and I do think that there's a real chance that, that translates better, especially in the Colorado offense when we've seen them try to go heavier. You know, multiple tight ends, multiple running backs. Let Brendan run behind that kind of stuff. And I know it's scary having your quarterback, like thinking of him as a power runner. And it's not like he's Tim Tebow. I, I looked it up. I didn't realize Tim Tebow was like 250 pounds in college. That's insane. Uh, but he does have some of that to him. And I think that as a pure runner, there are probably are more ways that you can use him than you can use a guy like Jaden Daniels. You know, Jaden's a guy you want to get in space. You want, you want just create a running lane. Brendan, you don't necessarily have to get into space. He can make things happen on his own, and I really want to see it. Uh, I want to see it so badly. Um, in terms of passing the football, Jaden Daniels is special. Uh, the touch on the deep balls. Um, it is worth noting that back in high school, uh, he had a freak at receiver, and a lot of his deep balls were to, to that guy, I forget his name, um, like Darren Jones maybe. Uh and Darren was recruited in the Pac-12 as a power forward. Um, it's a three-star basketball recruit, four-star receiver. Uh, in high school, I think he was 6'8", 180. So he's just flying past everybody, plus he's six foot eight. So that helps. And that's the other thing that you have to remember is that, you know, Jaden, sure, it's 60 touchdowns, but also California football, very good, but not as good as Texas high school football. Uh, definitely looked like, at least on tape, again, it's kind of tough to gauge um, in full, but it did look like he had more help, especially that guy who's just a cheat code. Um I think he was committed to Utah, but ended up going to a JUCO, I think Snow College, um, in case you're wondering. But uh, that's where Brendan needs to improve, passing the ball. Um, and I, it's not like he was bad. I think he was still very good. He just wasn't like nearly flawless like Jaden Daniels was. Um, in terms of running the ball, I could see how he would be preferable. Um, even if he doesn't quite have the same top end speed, doesn't have like the, the, the highlight jukes, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's my first one though. That's, that's what I want to see this year for, from Colorado. It's just a whole lot of Brendan Lewis more than anything. Uh, just want to see a whole lot of Brendan Lewis. Um, number two, um, Let's uh let's go with uh seeing Ashad Clayton, Jason Harris sign with Colorado. Um that's number 2 what I want to see. Jason Harris is going to announce his decision on let's see. Tomorrow's the 31st, then we got the 1st is Wednesday, the 2nd. So Thursday uh he's going to announce his decision. It's 7 p.m. somewhere. I'm not sure if it's 7 p.m. here. I'll get that figured out uh, before we get to that point. But um, 
It's going to be live on ESPN2 before the Under Armour All-America game. He's playing in that. Uh, Brendan Rice is playing in that. I'm not, I don't think there are any other buffs. Still, two is pretty incredible. Um, hopefully, Jason Harris signs. Again, he's, he's also recruited in the Pac-12 as a power forward. Um, freak athlete, defensive end. I love his game. I love his game. I think, I mean, he, he would be the Buffs' number one recruit in this class if he does sign. Um, so much potential, and we'll get into that uh, here in a minute. But also, Ashad Clayton um, committed to Colorado. A little bit of hesitation. Um, I'm actually more hopeful that Jason Harris signs than Ashad Clayton at this point, but I do think that both have better than 50-50 odds of coming to Colorado still. Um, Nobody from Ashad's high school, I don't believe, actually signed in the early signing period. I'm pretty sure all of them, and and there were some other very talented football players, uh, they're all waiting until February, the normal national signing day. Hopefully it's nothing. There are these whispers, you know, he tweeted <laughs> he tweeted on Christmas Eve uh, Gators showing some love and then quickly deleted it like 10 minutes later. There's reason for some pause. He's currently the number one recruit in Colorado's class. You land both of these guys, that's massive. Um, these are guys who are going to contribute day one. Um, unless, like, if, if you're redshirting them, you're redshirting them strategically. And... They both have the upside that there's a good chance that they're gone as soon as they can be uh, for the NFL. So I would anticipate them both being contributors very early on. Ashad Clayton, I've gone through this before, but again, like he he averaged, I want to say 245 yards per game in the playoffs this year. Uh, He averaged over 10 yards per carry. in three of five playoff games and overall I think he averaged like 11 yards per carry for the entire playoffs um 19 touchdowns in those five games and those are just the rushing numbers it's incredible stuff he's a special athlete um and honestly Colorado got a little bit lucky that he tore his meniscus this spring and it made you know, LSU cool on him and Georgia cool on him and Bama cool on him. And he got a little bit upset about that. And so when Colorado said, actually, no, we want you come with us. We aren't going to doubt you because of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he has the slow start to the season. His coach is a little bit hesitant. He's easing him back in and then explodes in the playoffs. It leads his team to Louisiana state title game. I truly believe, even though he's like, I think he's right around 15th ranked running back in the country, he should be a top five guy. And I think he's made that very clear lately that that knee injury isn't actually slowing him down. And he is who we thought he was before that. Um, Would be a steal for Colorado, especially given the way this plays out. Okay, one more thing. The final thing I want to see for Buffs football in 2020. Well, I guess now I think of it, a bowl game should have made the list. Definitely should have made the list. That's the fourth one. But the third one is a waiver for Antonio Alfano. I want him out on the field. I want him out there with Jason Harris and Mustafa Johnson and Jalen Sami and Terrence Lang and Naim Rodman and all these guys. Carson Wells, you know, another guy who could break out. So many options to rush the passer. I think that there's a good chance that this Colorado team doesn't need to call too many blitzes. 
I think that there's a very real chance that, you know, out of Antonio Alfano, Mustafa Johnson, and, uh, you know, Jalen Sammy taking up two blockers inside against, I'd say, nine of the other 11 Pac-12 teams, um, Jason Harris, all of a sudden, you expect one of those guys to win a one-on-one matchup. You just expect it on every any given play. If you want pressure, you can just send four and probably expect to force the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And then if you want to throw more pressure at the quarterback, you can do that as well. And you're just improving your matchups. You know, you have, like I said, the five linemen, you're probably doubling Jalen Sami inside. It might be that you don't. It might be that you double one of these other guys um, just because they're so talented. But Sami being so big typically should command the natural double. Um, all of a sudden you send a fifth guy in there, then, you know, everybody gets a one-on-one, whether that's, uh, you know, blitzing Nate Landman, blitzing Akil Jones, uh, blitzing Mark Perry from that star spot. Um, so many options. Uh, you want to send six, you throw another one of those guys at the quarterback. Uh, all of a sudden, the offense is forced to keep in a tight end, keeping a running back to block. Uh, and those are even more favorable matchups. As much as I love seeing Antonio Alfano against a right tackle, I also like seeing uh, Mark Perry against a tight end, you know? Um, and these matchups just keep getting better as they're forced to keep in more tight ends, more running backs because you're blitzing so hard. You know, they, they have those double A gap packages uh, where you bring those linebackers down, have some speed going up against their power guys. The options are limitless. And again, you don't know if you actually have Antonio and Alfano and Jason Harris next year. Antonio Alfano, you know, you have for sure in 2021. The question is just whether you get him for 2020, Jason Harris, you might not get it all. I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident based on what I've heard though. Um, Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it so badly. Uh, fourth, I definitely should have thrown a bowl game in there. Need a bowl game next year. Really no excuse to not get to a bowl game. I don't care if it's a freshman quarterback. Uh, I think that there's a real chance that he's better than Steven Montez was this year just because of the consistency. Just because there's a... Steven, when he's at his worst, can take you out of games. And a true freshman quarterback can do that as well, but I don't think he will as much. Um it might happen once, might happen twice, but it won't happen three or four times. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about Visca sitting courtside with Kobe getting dapped up at Staples Center by LeBron before the game. I don't know. That's basically that story right there, though. Good for Visca. Uh, he's he's out in L.A. training. I want to get in touch with him, too, uh, working on that. Hopefully, we'll get to hear from him soon. But, yeah, he got a little apartment out in L.A. He's working out there. Um Excited to see what happens. Excited to see what happens with him as well. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Leave your comments. I didn't even check to see if there are comments. We'll get into those next time if there are some. Uh, Appreciate you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Ben to talk all about basketball, give out our non-conference awards. Um, See you then. Sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway.